Hello, this is Beyond the Bell with WASTA, Wisconsin's hub for professional development for anyone working in out-of-school-time programs and youth-serving organizations. It's our mission to help you provide the highest quality care to children and their families. If you wish you had an extra tool going into programming to help guide behaviors in a productive way, wish you knew more about how to provide the whole family with support, or want to enhance your own well-being, then this is the home for you. We know what it's like to feel like there's never enough time or resources to meet everyone's needs, and we're here to support you through all the challenges. Stay tuned as we explore new ideas and strategies that you can use right away. I'm Rachel Sharon, health educator with Marshfield Clinic Health System Center for Community Health Advancement and Wisconsin Out of School Time Alliance. We're excited you're listening today to our conversation with Jeremiah Covington. Jeremiah is a community schools resource coordinator in the Madison Metropolitan School District. He served as a youth-based worker for much of his adult life, dedicated to empowering students to reach new heights in education, community building, and life goals. He's here to talk to us today about why partnering with parents matters. Welcome, Jeremiah. Hi, how's it going? Good. We're glad you're here. When you serving organizations think about how to either start tackling needs in their programs related to social determinants of health or improve the efforts being made, there's a lot of angles to start from and begin assessment. And it's often easy to overlook one of our biggest assets, the caregivers of the children we serve. So why is engaging the caregivers in any needs assessment or ecosystem building so important? Well, you can't really do too much until you are aware of what the needs are. And that doesn't always come from the participants. I reference participants. I mean mainly the youth um, involved in the programs. The caregivers often have a snapshot of, you know, a different view. Also, they're able to speak to things in a better way than, you know, the youth would be able to or even the youth don't really understand the, the nature or the depths of certain things. And so being able to work closely with the caregivers gives you an opportunity to be intentional about creating the connections that you need in order to kind of make things happen with families, make things happen with that assessment, make things happen with building those different ecosystems. But, you know, if you don't do that, then you're really left to kind of either directly address the participants or their families. And families, again, same thing as with participants, their understanding may be different depending on the situation and also their level of comfortability with sharing certain things may not be where you would like it to be in order to create certain programs or do certain things within building and being intentional about those. Yeah, so it might seem obvious what we're saying here with this first question, but you really don't know one person's whole story without considering their context, right? We don't know from a couple sure. hours of how a kid shows up, and it's it's just taking that extra step to engage those caregivers to find out a little bit more of the puzzle. So how does engaging caregiver voice simultaneously enhance engagement and then commitment to our programs? So I think that when you rope in your different caregivers, it makes them feel appreciated for one and acknowledged. And a lot of times when you're in our line of work, you can just do things because of the need that you see. And that can either rub people the right way or the wrong way, really. But when you're more intentional about whose voices you're bringing to the table, how you're bringing them, allowing the space for them to to share things that they feel would be helpful in what you're trying to create, allows the, the caregiver to, to have more buy-in into the program that you would probably want to have. It doesn't make them feel isolated. It doesn't make them feel like a token uh, sometimes. What I enjoyed most about collaborating on with 
different projects for after school was all of the excitement uh, that comes out of you know, when you get to the end or the finish line, you know, there's a lot of hard conversations to be had. There's some friction. Sometimes there's tension, there's denials, uh, there's delays, there's detours. But once you finally reach your goal, that satisfaction of being able to help families, being able to help students specifically, it just feels so rewarding. And having caregivers uh, use their voice to enhance that or to be a part of that engagement or within programs strengthens the program. What I like to, to do when I was directing after school programs was at the end of each year to really highlight the staff that are working with the students, just so that the students, one, can make sure that they can have a connection moving forward. Fifth graders especially, you know, we like to try to make sure that we're attached to them in some way. So sharing email addresses, sharing contact information, if it's so choosing by that caregiver or that staff, but making long lasting connections that don't just cease when the student is no longer involved in the program, no longer in the school. It makes that caregiver want to do and strive for more for themselves as well. There are a number of staff that have entered different programs I've been involved with just as a summer job, just as something to do in their in their part-time. It fits their schedule. But as they continue to, to grow in, in these roles, they find their passion. There are some folks that have started as MSCR after school group leaders and moved up the ranks. And I'm speaking about myself into a director of the role. There are people that have, you know, worked closely with support staff and school day uh, that find their niche in after school. So it's really an amazing thing to watch live in real time, the different places that people are able to go because of the experience that they gain from working with students so closely in an after school setting. Jeremiah, it's, it's interesting to kind of watch your brain work through the course of this question because we started off and we were really talking about like your stereotypical caregiver like that grandma or mom or dad who picks up that kid in an after school program and how their engagement is vital because like you said, if we get their voice, they're automatically more bought in and then it's not us providing a service, but it's like this team, it's this community that we've built. But then you were also thinking about staff as caregivers and how that's a really interesting reframe because again, like we're not just there to be babysitters, but we can be really impactful in these kids' lives. And you're talking about like when those staff members have a purpose, they're also more engaged in how you're looking at both of those things and including all of these voices, how that creates a community in your program. Wow. For sure. So can you give us a small scale, like one-on-one example where you engaged a caregiver to successfully meet like a resource need or meet a need that a child was having? Oh man, let's see. I speak to the sports program that ended up being created for elementary just because I've never seen families be more excited uh, about an initiative that we started in after school. So to give a little background, traditionally our after school elementary programs have never had sporting programs at all. Like we can provide different clubs for students to be engaged in at our particular school, but as far as the level of competition, because every family is not able to pay for baseball or pay for soccer or have the time or the ability to transport their children to some of these things, we're like, well, we already have them at school. What sense does it make to send them away to do certain things? So by creating those, what was really exciting is we had both a flag football, basketball, and a soccer league right before the pandemic. And I remember vividly 
the amount of families that would show up early on game days uh, just to cheer their kids on. And those connections paid off so well for us in the classroom. We saw students being able to understand the reason why, if you have a passion towards either academics, extracurriculars, sports, whatever it may be, all of it is tied together. You know, behavioral is important. Trying your best is important. Communicating when you need help is super important. So by having these sports programs, students were bought in in the classroom like, hey, I need to work hard to make sure my grades are good. If I'm not behaving in a way that is acceptable or fits into the standard that or the expectations that we have to be involved in these sporting programs, then I got to get it together. And so for caregivers, both uh, I'll speak specifically for for parents and families first. I received a lot of feedback of saying thank you just for creating an opportunity for my kid to to invest in, you know, this particular sport or this particular activity in a student uh, or a staffing way. It allowed some of the staff that have such amazing talent and ability in different, not only sports, but in any category of activity to really lean into their passion, which makes them do more impactful work, you know, when they're more bought into, all right, somebody appreciates what I'm bringing to the table here. So let me go a little bit harder in making sure that everybody has that opportunity to enjoy what it is that I'm trying to teach. And then on a school level, like I said before, the buy-in that we received from in the classroom, we had staff, teachers coming out to support the games, you know, the conversations of which staff and students were having, it evolved. We saw students that traditionally only connected to one or two people during the school day starting to have a better relationship with their classroom teacher, which is, again, the wraparound care that we want to provide. We want to make sure that families feel comfortable. We want to make sure that the student feels their best self. But then also we care about what's happening in the classroom so that the environment for all, because not all kids go to after school. Not all students are able to sign up for some of the things that are available, but, but kind of levels the playing field, if you will, for our students and our families. Wow. Once again, another example of how one simple intervention or one, you know, activity that you created had this multiplier effect and it opened up so many doors for communication and getting input. But those kids that participated impacted them like in multiple ways that we probably don't even know some of the positive ways it impacted them and their families. And again, created this community. You're connecting the school day, you're bringing parents and everyone's talking about this awesome new activity that you've created. So, and you also spoke to kind of that larger scale, like you're still getting feedback. You're seeing how it's sitting. You're getting that input from the caregivers themselves. And then talking about how you incorporate that feedback and how you build off of that. It's going well, so we're going to keep doing more of it. Or how do we make it bigger? We invite the staff from the school day in. And there's simple things that you can do to make it even more impactful. What about if at the end of the day, you can't implement everybody's ideas though? How do you assure that everyone is still heard? So making sure to host different opportunities for people to share. And it's not always in a, in, a, in a formal format. It's very informal as well, whether that's at the very end of a workday as you're checking out with staff or before staff leave, you know, hey, what's on your mind? What are you noticing? Are there things that we could do better? It's a collaboration thing. Uh, I feel like I was not going to be able to accomplish a lot of the things that both were included in our, our community learning center grant the expectations that we have as a organization um, without the buy-in of my staff. It would be impossible. But making sure that they feel as though 
they're part of the process of planning. They're a part of, you know, being involved with the creation of programs or, or trying of new things. One of my staff had a dad who was a comic book artist. And we had a lot of kids that showed a lot of interest in artwork. And so I put it on that staff's radar, like, hey, you know, I'm noticing there's a lot of kids that are doing some comic strips. I know that your dad works in that profession. Would you be comfortable reaching out to them? I didn't even create that opportunity. I allowed the staff to try to say, this is the program that I'm working for. Would you have time to come in and, you know, sit with a group of kids to talk about your profession? And again, by allowing that staff to do that, it was one, an opportunity for exposure for the youth to get a hands-on activity or some time with a professional so that they have an outlook to look at as they go through their journey of life. But then for that staff member, it was incredibly cool for them to just see the smiles on all the kids' faces, the connections that were made that are still ongoing as well. But making sure that people have an opportunity to use their voice is very important and not trying to critique or put a filter on how they use their voice. Sometimes in staff meetings, I would, after an icebreaker, not even get into the agenda, just basically like, all right, what's on your mind? What do we need to talk about? What are the things that are really important or vital to you? How can I help with things that are you're dealing with here at the workplace, your own passions and you know goals that you have or aspirations outside of work? I think when you invest in a person in those types of ways, you can get more out of them. So, you know, just really allowing and making sure that there are space and that people's voices can be used and heard and not put on the back burner or utilized when convenient, but always keeping them involved in the planning process. Yeah. So what you're talking about is not giving anyone something like extra to be doing, but really just lifting up their voice and highlighting, like giving opportunities for them to be heard because they might already have something in their wheelhouse or something that would be easy for them to kind of bring to the table, but it's really highlighting that. And you also talked about like, just don't censor, like true empowerment is letting that voice be heard in that authentic way and, and kind of giving the reins over. And a lot of what you're talking about too, is like letting go a little bit of that control so that that whole burden of a program is not on one person's shoulders, one staff person, one ideal person, one leader, but that everyone can really have an impact in and share. Anything else you would recommend to programs to really lift up caregiver voice, whether that be parents coming into programming, grandparents, staff? You know, um, finding a person, if you're a caregiver as a parent, guardian, finding one person that you trust within the program, within the school, because one person can help you much more than negating your voice because you have no one. But having one person that you can rely on to share things with, to open up with about things can be really fruitful and helpful. But making sure that you do make efforts to get your voice heard. If there are opportunities, if there aren't real opportunities to talk to your director, to talk to your admin team as community learning or the community resource coordinator, one of the projects that I have for this upcoming school year is to make sure that we have a parent committee, if you will, outside of what the PTO has to offer, outside of certain extra groups that have to offer, but specifically around parent engagement, the different things that parents are looking for to receive when their students are attending this school, different activities they would like to see happen, but making the effort to connect, whether that's, again, the classroom teacher, 
Maybe it's a support staff that works directly with your child. Maybe it's the school nurse. There's a lot of connections that can be made in a school setting. It's not always the traditional ones that we think about, like, you know, with the classroom, the social worker, school psych, and all those different people that are working on student services. Again, I've had, it's it's kind of funny, the amount of families that, because when you get into this work, you start to realize all the overlap that you have. For example, there were several students that have gone through MSCR programming or after-school programming that ultimately end up coming back to work for MSCR. So it's like the wheel continues to turn in ways to where they knew what they felt as a student. The program is, I think, existed for a good 60 to 70 years. So for generations, essentially, people have been able to see the different levels that Madison Recreational School and Community After School programs have provided. And so families are able to continue that work forward and say, hey, I remember when I was a student in those programs and we were doing you know, the swim classes and things like that, where those go and bringing some of those things back into the fold. But as a caregiver, to make sure that you, you advocate on behalf of your family, advocate on behalf of your child and the needs and things that you feel are important. Because as we pick up our newspapers, we see all the time the amount of money that is pumped into school districts, the resources that are available. And so, you know, there's never anything that's too big of an ask, especially when it comes from a parent or guardian. It can often pay off a lot more than what us professionals in the workplace are suggesting. So making sure to make your voice heard in any way possible. Wow. Yeah. I think there's a quote out there and I don't remember who said it or if it's like one of those unknowns, but it's like every time you listen, you give somebody a chance to be heard. And it seems like that's really kind of what you're talking about here, because when you do that, they're empowered and they might just be the next staff member walking through the door and coming back to also give back. So it's really powerful. So I appreciate this conversation with you. Thanks for diving into this topic with us, Jeremiah. Of course. Glad to be a part of it and honored to, you know, share my experience. And thank you to all of you who are listening in. We hope you leave today with a few more tools in your toolbox. Be sure to visit our website and sign up for our emails where we share information about all of our upcoming professional development opportunities.